You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, send your spirit now to revive our hearts that our longing eyes might see Jesus. This we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I wonder what you are hoping for. What are you longing for? What's that thing that is just around the corner that is going to bring you happiness and joy and and everything you need? Maybe it's a a job or a car or a relationship. Maybe it's a school or a college. Maybe it's retirement. That's what I'm looking forward to. Maybe it's, but maybe it's something bigger than that. Maybe it's political or social change. Maybe your hope is in a president, maybe in an impeachment trial, or a new bishop. Living in this world can be frustrating, and it can be discouraging and overwhelming, especially when we look at the world around us and we realize our inability to do anything about it, and even our inability to change anything within ourselves. And this can lead us to put our hope in the things of this world, in a new leader or a political party or an ideology or any new idea. Anything that we think will finally be that one thing which could bring about change and make everything right. And this is what the people of Israel are waiting for. This is what they're longing for. And this is the context of our passage in Matthew chapter 4. That someone would come and change the situation. For some time now in Matthew's day, the kingdom of Israel, which is God's chosen people, they've been divided into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. And this happened when the northern kingdom of Israel rebelled against God's chosen king, Rehoboam, and they followed after their preferred king, Jeroboam. And needless to say, when you rebel against God, it didn't go very well for them. In light of their rebellion, God brought judgment upon the people of the northern kingdom through the armies of Syria and Assyria. And these foreign powers, these armies, they oppressed the northern kingdom of Israel and they led them away from their worship of the one true God. And so this region of Galilee, these territories of Zebulun and Naphtali, They became the people who walked in darkness. Those people that Isaiah talks about in chapter 9. The darkness that they dwelled in was the oppression that they suffered under these foreign powers, under the Assyrian rule. And this oppression was like a thick darkness that covered over the people, weighing them down, controlling every move they made. But later in Isaiah, we read that God had promised that though they had been humbled, though they'd been brought low, soon they would be exalted, soon they would be honored. Soon the people dwelling in darkness would see a great light. The yoke of their burden would be lifted, the rod of their oppressor would be broken. So when, in our, in our passage today, when Jesus hears of John's arrest and withdraws into Galilee, heading into these territories of Zebulun and Naphtali. Matthew has all of this context in his mind. 
And he sees Jesus as the fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the light that has dawned. He is the king who is coming to rescue and restore God's kingdom. God is finally raising up his chosen king, a leader like Moses and Joshua, a king in the line of David and Solomon, one who would lead the people of Israel out of their captivity once again and reunite the divided kingdoms as one nation under God. This is what the people have been waiting for. This is what they have been longing for, a time when God's kingdom would be brought back to its former glory, a time when God would make Israel great again. It's no wonder why they're waiting for this Messiah to come, is it? They're waiting for this guy to come and lead an army against the Assyrians, against the Romans and all the surrounding nations so that they might have rest from all of their enemies, rest from their oppressors. Well, after Jesus has withdrawn into Galilee, he then begins his public campaign. And what is his agenda and what is this leader's agenda? Well, look at verse 17. Matthew writes, From that time Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This sounds a lot like a political message. Get ready, God's king is coming, it's happening, watch out, it's finally here. But what does Jesus mean by this? Does he mean get ready for Israel to return to its former glory? The kingdom is finally going to be rebuilt? Is Jesus just another prophet calling the people of Israel back to God, as many have done before him? Or does he have something else in mind? Well, previously in chapter 3 of Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist has preached the same message. He's called people to repent. He's been baptizing in full repentance, preparing people for this Messiah that was to come. But he pointed to one who was coming after him, who was greater than him, who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And after John's arrest, Jesus takes up this message. And in doing so, he says that he is this one that John was preparing you for. But his message is far greater than just a political statement. Though it has many political and social implications and ramifications, there's something much more significant going on here. Jesus' rule and reign will not be limited to Israel's political oppression. He's not come just as a political figure to bring about social and political change, He's come to tackle the fundamental problem at the heart of the human condition. His message is not make Israel great again. His message is repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is not a political word. This is not a military word. This is a spiritual word. It's a spiritual word that points to that fundamental problem with Israel, that fundamental problem with you and me, our sin. We've turned away from God and sought to establish our own kingdoms. We've put ourselves in charge and established ourselves as the king. And this poses somewhat of a problem for us. For as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is coming and has come near. And you need to be ready for it. You need to get yourself off your own throne and let Jesus get on his. 
A fundamental change needs to happen in the human heart. We need to turn away from our own sin and rebellion and turn in faith to Jesus. Well, after announcing the coming of the kingdom, Jesus then begins to gather people for it in verses 18 to 22. And as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, he finds two fishermen, Simon and Andrew, who were brothers. And he calls them to follow him. And immediately they drop everything and they follow Jesus. Then walking a bit further along, Jesus finds two more brothers fishing, James and John. And again he calls them and again immediately they left everything. They left their boat, they left their father and followed him. Now fishing isn't the most lucrative of all businesses in the world. But this would have come at great cost to them, great economic and social losses for them. They left their jobs, they left their family, they left everything that they knew to follow after Jesus. And here we see a visual description of what it means to repent. It involves leaving the things of this world behind and turning away from them, turning away from your job, your security, your safety, your control and following after Jesus putting your trust, putting your hope, putting everything on him and in him. These men knew only fishing, and yet when Jesus calls them, they give up everything to follow him. It's in this scene with these fishermen that this prophecy from Isaiah begins to take shape. As Jesus calls these men of Galilee of the Gentiles, who've been dwelling in darkness, to follow him and to come into his kingdom. This is the beginning of God's saving work, extending out to the Gentiles, which will eventually spread all throughout the world and eventually come to you and to me in Birmingham, Alabama. As God calls all people from every tribe and every nation to turn back to Him. Well, after beginning to gather His disciples and establish His kingdom, we're told in verse 23 that Jesus goes throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues preaching the gospel and healing people with every, of every sickness and disease. And here we see what it means when the kingdom of heaven is close and near. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. The gospel is preached and people are healed. This is a glimpse of what it will be like when the kingdom is finally consummated and fully revealed. This is a manifestation of heaven on earth. And as we see what John talks about in the book of Revelation, where he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. It's in these acts of proclaiming the gospel and healing of every sickness and disease that we see that Jesus is that Messiah that was to come, the Messiah that Israel has been waiting for. This is the scene in the movie where we finally realize that this is the guy. He is the one. Not only does Jesus proclaim the kingdom, but he also demonstrates the kingdom in his actions, proving that he has the power of God, the power over sickness and death, the power over sin and evil, the power to break the yoke of oppression and bring light into our darkness. This is what it looks like when God is in charge, when he rules and when he reigns. And this is what we look forward to when we will finally be his people, 
in his place under his rule, when sin will be done away with and we will be with him perfectly and forever. Living in perfect relationship with him, with each other and with this world and when all things will be made new. Well, much like Israel, it's very easy to be tempted to look at the things of this world for our hope. It's easy to put our hope in political leaders and uh, political parties and ideologies and anything that could bring about some change to our world. Anything that could put an end to the injustice and evil we see all around us. Well, the good news of the gospel is that there is someone and his name is Jesus and our hope is in him. For he is the only one who can bring about change in this world. He's the only one who can redeem this broken world and bring reconciliation to all things. Because it doesn't matter how great a leader is, how powerful an ideology might be, our need is for something far greater than this world can give us. Our need is for revival, for renewal. We need to be born again. We don't just need social or political change. We need spiritual change. We need new hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to come and revive our hearts, to transform the hearts of all people from hearts of stone that rebel against God to hearts of flesh that beat for Him. For it's only through the work of the Spirit, by the power of God, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this world will be healed of all the evil and sin that, co- that has caused so much damage. It's only through the power of God that the evil powers and structures of injustice and oppression will be done away with, will be broken. And that is our hope and our prayer. That God would move powerfully in our city, in our country, in our world, proclaiming the good news that this King has come. The King who has the power to heal the broken, heal the damaged parts of our world, to rescue us from slavery to oppression and to bring light into our darkness. The good news is that King has come and begun the work of establishing His kingdom. And through His death and resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father, His rule and reign is now. As Christians, our allegiance is not to a leader or an ideology. Our allegiance is to Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. And we eagerly await for Him to return and finish what He has started. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love for us in Christ and through His death and resurrection and ascension to Your right hand that He is now reigning and ruling and we ask that He would return and come and finish what He has started. But until that day, Lord, we ask that You would give us patience and help us to trust in You and put our hope in Him. All things, all these things we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.